Amen. Amen. Man, thank you, worship creative team. Man, you guys, thank you for honoring the Lord today. And uh, go ahead, grab your Bible. Uh, go to Psalms. We're, we get to revisit Jesus in the Psalms. And who in here believes that your Bible is actually the full story of Christ from the beginning of the Old Testament to the end of the New, right? It's all about Jesus, right? And uh, just because the New Testament introduces him by name doesn't mean he showed up in the New Testament. He was there the whole time. And uh, I love Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, when, when God decides to make man, uh, man and woman, and he, said, he looks at the uh, people in heaven and he says, and let us make man uh, in, in all, after our image, after our likeness. And uh, who's he talking to? He's talking to his son, his Holy Spirit, the triune God. And, uh, and so I love the fact that your Bible uh, brings Christ to the pages from beginning to end. And so we get to do that again today. I want to say, uh, as you turn to Psalm 51, uh, I do want to say thanks to Pastor Michael. He's preaching uh, in Statesville this morning, and I appreciate him uh, asking me. Um, actually, Chris Brown was supposed to be here, and his week has not allowed him to, to be up here today. So we got him uh, rescheduled here shortly, but I uh, appreciate him. Uh, Chris, let me fill in for him today. But, uh, but we know this is of the Lord. Let's, let's just uh, move right into the Scripture. Let's read together. Um, and, uh, and, and as you find Psalm 51, did I tell you that? I think I did. Uh, I want to say thank y'all. You guys have been praying for us as a family, our team uh, for Connection Church, Richmond Hill. Uh, it's getting very close, and so I'd love to talk more after service if you have any questions or how you can better pray for us. Um, I, I know I hadn't gave you an update in a while, so I'd love to do that after service. But God is really doing great things, uh, just adding to, to our team, and uh, it's, it's really cool. And so, uh, so we're so thankful for what he's going to do through us and how he's going to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ in the heart of Richmond Hill, Georgia. Amen. As he's doing right here in Savannah, uh, Effingham, Statesboro today with our lead pastor being up there uh, all over uh, our area. And so we're excited about that. So let's just read together uh, and then we'll go back and dissect it a little bit. Uh, it says in Psalm 51, be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love. According to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Verse 6, surely you desire integrity in the inner, inner uh, self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. Create God, create in me a clean heart. Uh, creating a clean heart for me, excuse me, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach your, uh, the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. What a great portion of scripture. Let's, uh, let's pray and invite God to be with us today. Father, uh, I'm so thankful for your presence already being with us as, as Trevor just prayed, God. Lord, we're reminded, Father, that uh, we are just but dust without your creative, intricate, engineer mind and design where you breathe your breath, your Holy Spirit into us. God, you, you, you conjured up the dust and you breathe life into us. And here we are living breathing, active, a, 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 a organism, but also an organization, the human race, able to lift our voice and lift our praise and our talents and, and our giftedness and everything you've put inside of us, God. We're able to turn that back and give it back to you as an offering, Father. Thank you for that. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I'm thankful for every person that's serving today across this campus 
I'm thankful for everyone working with our babies and our children and using their giftedness to be a part of the kingdom of God. I'm thankful for those who got here early and, and worked and, and those who, 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 who made this place happen. Lord, it doesn't just happen. It's a lot of work. And I'm grateful for the saints, Lord, working their giftedness, honoring you through what you've given them. And uh, thank you for the band. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word. And Lord, we do pray as uh, Pastor Michael is probably just finishing out one of his messages in Statesboro, and he'll have to go back again here shortly to preach in the second service. And so I just pray for, his, uh, for him. I pray, God, you give him strength and energy. Uh, Father, I pray, Father, that you would just move over that service, and uh, may they be challenged to be the disciples that you've called them to be, to be the worshipers, to be the church members that you've asked them to be, God. And Lord, I, that's our prayer for us as well. Father, start with me up here as we uh, dive into your scripture and your text, God. Uh, illuminate your son, Jesus. May all glory, may all praise go to him, Father. Uh, may long after my name goes away, may long after I die, may, may long after everybody in this building is gone, may the, the, the memory of Jesus and what he's done here last. God, that's what we're living for, God, that you would get glory, that all our crowns we may earn, we get, we get to cast at your feet, Jesus. It's all for you now. And so help us as we, we pull you out of the Psalms here, and we ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right, Jesus in the Psalms. Jesus in the Psalms. So I want to look at the contrast of Christ, and I really want to pull out uh, the teaching of biblical repentance. Biblical repentance. Now, if you've been in church some time, you've probably heard that word, repent. You, you probably remember in Matthew chapter 5 that Jesus began preaching, repent for the kingdom of, hand is at, uh, uh, the kingdom of God is, is, is at hand, right? And so you, you've heard that term, but I believe that it's so easy for us to lose a lifestyle of repentance. And so let, let's, let's just uh, utilize Psalms and, 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 and help us, uh, help me help us, uh, as, as I'm getting help myself, uh, to, to really dialogue and build text around that term repentance. What does that mean for you? What does it mean for me? Uh, you say, Patrick, I'm good. Check. I, I got repentance done. I'm saved. I'm good to go. Uh, but actually, we'll find out that repentance is more of a lifestyle than it is just a one and done. Now, a one and done, uh, you know, gets you there, right? You, when you receive Christ, that's the big R repentance uh, that you've heard us preach about, talk about. And, uh, but there's a lot of little R repent repenters, right? Anybody here ever went back to Jesus for some forgiveness of sins after the first time? Just me, right? Oh, okay, there we go. Got some hands. Thank you. Thanks for not leaving me up here. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. We need... We need the grace of our Lord every day. And so, but real quick, I just, I, I just want to explain the context because we have a prophet who goes to a king and shares this very true story with the king. And, and he goes to the king and he says, uh, king, there was a rich man and had a very wealthy rich man, had all kind of flocks and herds and, 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 and fortresses and, and a lot of resources. And then there was a poor man. And this poor man had one little ewe lamb, right? And he's talking about this little baby lamb he got as a baby. And, and he, him and his family fell in love with it. And he, they, they, they took care of it and they fed it. Uh, the story, as the story goes, it, it supped from his table and it drank from his cup. That's how much they loved this little ewe lamb. And they, they watched it grow. So much so, they called it their daughter. Any pet lovers in here today? This is your story, right? Yeah, there you go. I, absolutely. They called this little lamb their daughter because they were so close. And then this other rich man uh, lived next to the poor man gets word that there's a traveler coming to town. And he needs a sleigh, have a, have a, a killing. Uh, they were going to get some, some, uh, some, some, some pork loins and some lamb chops and all kinds of stuff. They were preparing the, a great feast for this traveler that was coming land. However, the rich man... In his greatness, didn't want to touch his flock, didn't want to affect his herd. And so he went to the poor man who couldn't defend himself and took that little ewe lamb, took it by force and slayed it for that traveler and stole that little ewe lamb. And at this time, as you can imagine, at the same feeling you're feeling, that's what the king is feeling as the prophet's telling him this. The king is thinking, this is outrageous. Who would do such a thing? How dare him? We need to find this person and 
bring justice. All right, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, bring justice. And that's when the prophet Nathan looked at King David and says, David, you are that man. And you can find the story in 2 Samuel chapter uh, 12, but you understand that it was through uh, the taking of Bathsheba that King David took Bathsheba, killed Uriah, and took her as his own wife and hid this sin for some time. And immediately as David spoke, the spirit in King David broke and he knew, yeah, I am the sinner. It was me. I have sinned against God, the Bible says. And immediately he repented. And that's where we get Psalm 51. Now, I'm not here to bring text or context to, to 2 Samuel uh, chapter, chapter 15 or chapter 12, excuse me. Um, but, but, I, but I do want to honor this text and see Jesus all in these scriptures. Because the Bible says in 2 Kings that David did nothing against the Lord except for the issue of, of against Uriah the Hittite. <laughs> where he took his wife and killed him, had him forcibly killed in battle. That was the only sin we have on record uh, for David, uh, according to 2 Kings, even the sin of counting the people God forgave him from and, uh, and, and gave him an option out of that. But, but, but listen, when we have Psalm 51, I believe that uh, it gives us an opportunity to see ourselves in the, the place of David. Because we all can agree we've sinned, right? We're, we all can agree that we have broken God's law. We have actually sinned ourselves. Maybe you haven't killed nobody. Maybe you've not stole another man's wife and, and, and had him killed. But guess what? James teaches that if you offend one point in the law, then you're guilty of it all. There's no heavy sins and light sins. There's no white sins and dark sins. There's no uh, okay sins and, you know, God will easily forgive you. And then some real big sins that, man, God may or may not forgive. No, 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 no. No, the Bible clearly teaches that sin is sin and it must be forgiven. It must be uh, either forgiven, excuse me, or paid paid through a blood sacrifice. Thank God for the New Testament, right? Thank God that Jesus paid that ultimate sacrifice. Jesus gave his life, and he paid the ultimate sacrifice. I forgot to start my timer, so my message just started. Amen? Uh, <laughs> all right. but, uh, no, but look, so, 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 so as I mentioned, there's a big R repentance where we receive Christ for the first time. Maybe you did it at summer camp. Maybe you did it in the hallways of your home. Maybe you did it at, at, at right up here at the front of Connection Church. Maybe you were in your living room and, and Pastor Michael sat down with you and explained the gospel. And, man, you just got it and received. And wherever you were, you understood there was a time in your life where you had to say yes to Jesus, right? I was 14, almost 15 years old at the corner of my bed. Y'all heard me tell it. And I, I was lost and undone. And, and I asked Christ to save me that first time. I didn't even know how to pray. I don't really even remember what I prayed. But I just remember in the, the humbleness of my heart, Jesus saw that and he forgave me and he saved me. Uh, but I'd be lying today if I tell you I haven't went back to him most days since, most days since, and asked for forgiveness because I needed it, Right? You need it. We need it. And repentance is the best thing for you, you, you and me in our uh, mindset, in our thinking, in our self-esteem. Now, we live in a culture today, guess what? It, we become our own gods, <laughs> right? We live in our culture where we are to uh, build up our fortunes and, and our estates and us to the point where we feel good about ourselves. And, and, and to say that we are sinners and need to repent, oh, that's so negative. And man, Patrick, we probably shouldn't talk like that because that would hurt our children's self-esteem and that would, that would hurt their self-image and, and that would degrade them to the point of not feeling good about themselves. So, but let me ask you this. Okay? In our, in our self-consumed, uh, egocistic culture, let me ask you this. What's more healthy? Lying to somebody. I, I imagine if you had a cancer uh, prognosis and, and, you, and you came in a room and the doctor scratched his head and said, I, you know, it ain't going to be too bad. Just take three of these a day and just pray better than you have before, right? Like you, he wouldn't be able to help you. Right, because he's not offering you the technology, the, the chemo, the radiation, the stuff that, that, that technology has. He's not giving you something that actually helps you. He's lying to you. And I think for years, it's easy to lie to ourselves to say, well, we're not so bad. Oh, I mean, everybody's in, innately good, right? And we just kind of mess up every now and then. We make mistakes. For years, um, uh, I appreciate Sarah. She, she asked me and my, my wife to serve in KK today. I was so excited to serve in KK 
And, uh, but I'm here with you. I got stuck with you adults. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, <laughs> just kidding. But, but Kat's back there. Me and her have had the awesome opportunity of, of teaching kids for so many years. But one thing, I, when I like to sit down with kids and I talk to them, I explain to them the difference between sin and a mistake. Right? Like, we all make mistakes. We all trip and oops and ouch or I'm so sorry, excuse me. Mistakes happen because of sin, right? But it's not sin. You can make a mistake and be totally right before God, right? You can mess up. You can make the wrong turn and run into somebody. You can accidentally forget something at home and cause yourself to be late at work. Those are mistakes. But there's a difference in oops, mommy, I'm sorry, and to I'm a sinner without a savior and going to a place called hell, right? And so I try and differentiate that between kids because, you know, kids in the innocence of their heart, they, they're just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's me. Please forgive me, I'm sorry. And, and that's so cute, and it's, and, it's, and it's fun to get them out of that. But at the same time, as we get a little older and mature, we realize that our sin or our mistakes that offend God that go against his law, against his word, are actually our our, 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 our docket, <laughs> it's our, it's our, it's our um, punishment. It, it, it's, our, it's sealing our fate to be totally separated from God. That's pretty serious, right? That's, that's huge. And I don't even like talking about that, but I have to because that's the truth. So let me ask you this. What's, uh, what's, what's better for our self-esteem? What's the better posture? To be haughty and high-minded and say, oh, we're not that bad, or to be humbled and to say, I, I need a Savior. Right? I, I'm, I don't have it all together. Uh, what's better, phony pride or honest humility? Right? What's better, somebody looking at you eyeball to eyeball and saying, hey, you got this, man. You can do it all by yourself. You don't need anybody. That's exhausting. But that's the culture we sell people. But, but, but the truth of the matter is we need a God. We need a Savior. We need each other. We can't do it alone. And I don't know about you, but that's freeing. That's, it's freeing to know that I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to have it all figured out, right? God's Word encourages us that we don't have it all figured out, and we don't have to. He don't want us to. He has it all figured out. He just wants us to lean into Him, to go to Him, right? And that's what repentance is. It's a, it's a daily, a weekly reminder of, God, I don't have it figured out. I need you. Isn't that freeing? That's not condemnation. That's not a crutch. That's not a, a, the, it's, the world uses that as an excuse to say, oh, that's religion. And yeah, but we can do it ourselves. We can figure it out ourselves. But I tell you guys, that's a lie because we can't. We need each other. We need the word of God. We need the word. Amen. And so uh, I like what uh, Martin Luther wrote uh, in his 95 thesis. The very first one out of 95, this is what he wrote. And I quote, when, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. What a great posture to be before our Lord. What a great posture to be before each other. You know, a lot, a lot of church, I, I, sometimes I feel like I've been in church too long. Because <laughs> a lot of church arguments and church issues is just because someone else won't just own up and say, I'm sorry, I, I overstepped the line. Please forgive me and let's get on with this. If he would just stop and do that, man, the church would solve a lot of issues without even having to visit them. How about our marriages? Huh? How about our marriages that, that if we just would say, you know what? No, we're not going to fight because it's my bad. I'm sorry. Let's work this out. Now, if you're like me, I'm the guy that sticks my foot in my mouth, and then as soon as I do it, I'm like, oh, baby, baby, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And she's like, no, no, I need to, I need to decompress. <laughs> She's like, give me time. I'm like, okay. And now I'm all like, you know, stewing scared. I'm not going to get lunch anymore. And, you know, and she's going to strike me again and all this other stuff. So anyway, she's not in here so I can talk about her. But, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, but, 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 but what happens is in marriages, we just want to, we all want to be right. And we want to have the last say. But if we were just quick to say, you know what? I don't care about being right. Can we just, can we just make up? We just make up and, and fix this and, Get on with things. And, uh, and, and sometimes I know it's easier said than done. I know, guys. I know we have two personalities. In marriages, we have two personalities collide, two differences, two interests, everything. But, but, but sometimes it's just that's what would heal us. But we won't swallow our pride and we won't just say it and we won't just repent and say we're sorry. And, and so this not just affects our Christian walk. I want you to see that it affects church life, marriage life. Community life, school life, work life, it affects everything. Because we should, as Christians, should be the first to say, you know what? I'm not perfect. 
And you don't, you're not either. And guess what? You don't have to be because Jesus is. And so let's look at the text. And I'm just going to, uh, for the next few minutes, let the text teach us the contrast of Jesus, of how he gives us uh, an offer, what he offers to us, and then, and then where we are. You're going to see in the text that David was just honest. David was honest with himself and with God. And I love this because that's what me and you need to be. That's where we need to be. But he also gives such a huge theological doctrine of who God is in light of who we are, right? So number one, why do we need repentance? Why do we need repentance? He tells us right here, look at, look at the, 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 the scripture here. Number one, because of who God is, right? And then number two, because of who we are. So let's contrast in the scripture. Verse one, it says, be gracious to me, God. And you can under, I went through and underlined a bunch of words in my Bible and highlighted them because I just love bringing out who God is because I know who me, me is, right? <laughs> I know who I is. That still ain't good English. Y'all help me. Um, but, but be gracious to me, God. Remember, he's repenting. He's, and, 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 oh, excuse me. I actually script some text, uh, skip some text. Look at, look at verse 1 actually begins in your Bible. You'll see to the chief musician or chief uh, choir director. Um, that would be Chris Brown here. So uh, he's writing this. Uh, and, and that's actually in the original language. That's not a subtitle that was put in there to get, bring context to the text. Uh, that's actually in the original language. So for, to the chief director or choir director, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after he had gone to Bathsheba. So we know that's where it is. And he says, be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. You see right there, it says, God is ready with grace, faithful love, and abundant compassion. Isn't that good? God is ready with grace, faithful love, and abundant compassion. And where are we in that verse? We are resistant with rebellion. In that, we are resistant with rebellion. That's what happens when we're, we're faced with our sin or we're faced with a situation where we're wrong. What do we want? Automatically, immediately, even as a Christian, immediately we're like, huh? No, I wasn't wrong. Man, no, nah, come on. And we, and we have to take a breath and say, yeah. Yeah, we are. We are rebellious by nature. And, and David's reminding us that God is, he's, he stands ready with grace. He stands uh, ready with faithful love. That means enduring love. That means continuous love. That means there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. It's faithful and abundant compassion. This is what I love about compassion is that Jesus sees our weakness and still loves us right? Jesus sees our weakness, and, it, and it, actually, it actually hurts his heart. It draws him to us. He's, he's drawn to us in our weakness. Isn't that good? I don't know about you, but I need that. That brings me freedom. Like, he, he's drawn to me in my weakness. Look at verse 2. Completely, thoroughly, uh, maybe some of your Bibles say, thoroughly wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. I love that verse because it shows that God is willing to wash and to cleanse all sin. And yet we're weighted with guilt and shame. It, it shows, he says, wash uh, uh, all my sin. Cleanse me from my sin. Wash away my guilt. Have you been there? Have you been there with that guilt and that shame and that sin that sits with you? And you think, I, I, I'll figure it out. I, I'll resolve it. I'll work it out. And day in and day night, you lose sleep. You, you pop your pill, and it doesn't help. It goes away temporarily, and it comes right back. And I'm telling you guys, the only real cure for that guilt and shame is knowing that Jesus can wash it. Jesus can forgive it. Oh, man, this is what ticks the devil off because he uses guilt. He uses shame, and he uses the, us to attack our own self, our own mind, our own heart, and, and to, to beat ourselves up. And God's trying to say, listen, I can wash you from this. You don't have to live there. You know what you've been through. I know what I've been through. And, man, doesn't the devil bring that up? Huh? Doesn't the devil bring it up? He uses it in so many different ways when it comes to uh, who we are, self-image and, and self-gratification, and maybe in our job or maybe at school, and we just feel alienated, and we feel like we're inadequate, and we feel like we're not enough. Huh? Yeah, and, and who am I preaching to? Come on, help me. Hey, and, and so, so, so I feel that. 
I battled self-esteem. I wandered the roads from, from trailer park to, to other neighborhoods, to other friends' house, and, and living with my aunt here and there and, and trying to run to find who I was at 12 years old. I remember that. And the whole time, Satan was trying to lead me into that scene, trying to steal me from the things of God. Oh, but little did I know, oh, the hound of heaven was after me. The Holy Spirit was after me. And he was seeking me so much greater, so much stronger. And I don't care what Satan has told you. I don't care what you've bought into and believed in your mind. Oh, man, if Satan has ever gotten to a place where he can attack our mind, it's today. Because it, we're such a visual people. We're such a visual we, It's hard for us to even close our eyes and let our minds shut off because we have screens everywhere and constantly combated with things. I mean, we can't drive from here home without picking our phone up 13 times. And because we're, we've trained our mind now that we're so distracted. And man, Satan's just reeling us in. And he's got us. And he's just pulling us down with shame, shame and guilt. And Jesus is like, I can wash all that away. I can wash all that away. I don't know about you, but I've been in places where in the quietness of my heart where Satan has lied to me and told me things, and I've bought it, and I've believed it. And it's like, Jesus, you said you can wash this away, and I don't even know how to get out of this. I don't know how to talk myself out of this. My mind is stuck thinking this way. And it's almost like, I can't even describe it, but it's almost like little by little over time, I'm reminded of his promises. I'm reminded of my value. I'm reminded that Jesus died for me. Huh? Like, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for us. If he died for us, that shows that we have worth in his eyes, that he values us. He has abundant compassion. Oh, man, I love that. I mean, think about, think about Satan. And, and think about what he tells us. And he, and he gets, us, gets in a place where he's like, yeah, you, you know, you're, not, you're, not, you're not really. You're not, you have no value to God. You're, I know. You, look, you talk to yourself in the mirror, and you try and build yourself up, but, but God doesn't really like you. He says stuff like that, and we believe it. We believe it. And you remember all that, remember all that money you spent on that junk? Remember that? Yeah, God, God can't forgive that. Uh-uh. Uh, remember all that, all that mess you took your family through? Uh-uh. Remember all those lies? You can't take care of all these babies. Who do you think you are? You are putting yourself in a financial bondage. You're going to make your husband work himself to death and, and not be able to provide for y'all, and y'all are going to be without because you keep taking all these babies. Who do you think you are? Mm. And Satan says this stuff, and we start thinking, oh, should I do this? Should I not do this? Lord, I, I thought you've called me into this. And, it, and we just got to remind ourselves God's word says he'll wash. He'll cleanse. Isn't that a good word for a Christian? He'll cleanse that lie. And you start hearing the Holy Spirit say, yeah, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Huh? Hey, hey, great are my thoughts towards you. Huh? He, say, he, says, hey, he says that I, your days will prosper if you follow me. Isn't that good? Isn't that good to be reminded that God's voice is so much better than the devil's? But we got to quit training our mind to think that way. we got to break those, those, uh, those, those, those thought processes that have captured us and stole us away from God, we got to remind ourselves that he can wash over that. He can cleanse that. That word cleanse is actually, it's a, it's a thick uh, Hebrew word for ceremonial, morally, and physical. Huh? Like it's a physical Old Testament word that it would wash them from their defiled state, but it also would cleanse them ceremonially so where they can approach their God and their Father, and it, it washes them morally to where there's no sin to their record. There's, there's no sin on their slate. Like they're free and free indeed. That's what the truth brings. That's why we need repentance because we need God in our life. Look at verse 3 and 4. It goes on. It says, for I am conscious of my rebellion. David wasn't trying to hide it anymore. He hid it for too long. It ate him up. It drove him mad. He, he, he probably saw Uriah, who was one of his mighty men. He probably saw that young man's face as he laid down at night, and he thought, what have I done? And this woman next to me is not even rightfully mine. I stole her. And he says, I'm conscious of my rebellion. And my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done this evil 
in your sight. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, no, he sinned against Uriah. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against his kingdom. He sinned against everybody that had been there to help him be the king. That he, he sinned against all of them, but he goes straight to the top. He says, you alone, Lord. It was against you I have sinned. God, he, he's, he's setting God up on the pedestal he deserves now. God is holy and just. We are evil and sinful from birth. That's why we need repentance. Because God is holy. He's separate. He, he, is to, he is set apart and righteous, and we are not. That's why we need repentance. We need that big R repentance for God to save us, but we need that daily. God, I need you. God, I need you. He just, we just sung that. Listen, being bad or good is behavioral modification. You may come in here today and think, think well, I, I, yeah, I haven't been that bad this week, or, well, I hadn't been, I've, I've tried to be better at this. But that's just behavioral modification. As human beings, we all have that option. There's, there's good people that will be in hell one day because they rejected Jesus, not because they were bad or good people, right? Being evil is a state of existence. The terrorists uh, uh, in ISIS and in the Middle East and even that, 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 that steal from other people and, and people that, that, that take from others and, and set themselves up above others, guess what? The same evilness in that, that wickedness, is in you and me. Let's, let's be honest. It's in us. We are all capable of getting stupid at any minute. Hey, young people, remember that. Don't trust your instincts. I know you watch Top Gun Maverick like me, and when I left the movie theater the other night, I was probably going way too fast. I couldn't help it, okay? It was Tom Cruise's fault, but it was awesome. But, but you know, you, maybe you trust your instincts in an in, in F-18, but in life, don't trust your instincts. Your instincts are deceitfully and wicked above all things. Amen? You're not a football player. You don't need those instincts. You're not a, you're, you're not a, a, a jet pilot. You are a Christian that need to go back to God's word. You need to rely on God's word, not your instincts, not your heart, because your heart is wicked. My heart's wicked. We, need a, we don't need a savior because we're bad. We need a savior because we're broken, right? Hey, some of us came in here today because we, we think we're good, and so we came today so God can see us, but some of us came today because we need to see God. Right? You came to see God. You say, Patrick, I need more God. And the more I'm around these Christians, the more I do better, right? I need each I need y'all. I need each other. We need each other, excuse me. And so why do we need repentance? Because of who God is and because of who we are. But number two, real quick, why, what does repentance look like? The psalmist gives us that. Huh? I love that he continues on with his text. And he, in verse four, he said that we're, he's right to pass sentence. He's, he's, he's right and blameless when he judges. Huh? There is one judge in heaven. He, he deserves to be judged. Uh, and, and, and look at uh, verse 6. Jump down. Let's read 5 for the, for the sake of the text. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born, and I was sinful in, when my mother conceived me. We're all there, right? But look at verse 6. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self. That word integrity simply means a stable continuance. Truth, right? For the Christian, for the New Testament Christian, we call that truth, right? Stable continuance, the truth of God's word. So we, as what does repentance look like? It, number one, it looks like a holy constant or a desire for truth. That means if the same spirit in you, is in, in me that's in you, the same spirit that bears record of God's word, there's a holy constance in us that says, you know what? I, I should want that more. I should find out what God has for me, right? Yeah, we should want to find out what God has for our life. That's the spirit drawing us. And God's spirit don't just draw you until he gets saved. Uh, I, I heard that before. Uh, I heard that, that God's spirit draws you until he saves you. Then it's your job to uh, go after him. Like the Holy Spirit comes after you, then he saves you, and then it's your job to go after him. And that is true, right? But at the same sense, it's un, an incomplete truth because even though I'm, it's my job now to follow God, he's still coming after me. Like he still desires a relationship with me according to the scripture. And it says, surely I, you desire integrity in the inner self, truth in the inner self, a holy constant. Y'all remember the story in, in Mark chapter 5 of the maniac of Gardera? Remember that man? He was ate up with demons. The Bible says he had the legion of demons. It was, it was thousands and thousands of demons in his life. And, and, and he's and he spitting and sputtering and getting body slammed. I mean, Undertaker had nothing on these demons. I mean, he, this guy was tombstoning himself. 
And, and he's just like body slamming himself and throwing himself against the rocks and, and lacerating his body. And, and he would have died, but then the demons themselves, that would, they would get him so close to death and throw him off these cliffs and draw him back and torment his body because demonic oppression is real. And, 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 he, and he finds Jesus. And here comes Jesus, and the, the demons like shriek, don't send us to the judgment. They realized who was in charge. Isn't that sad that the demons can figure that out? And we have trouble with that. But hang on. I ain't preaching on that. But, uh, and, 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 but listen, and, and so they say, don't send us into the judgment. Send us into those pigs. And he sends them out. Blah, blah, blah. Y'all, y'all know the story. If you don't, check it out. Mark chapter 5. It's an awesome story. But then the people went and told everybody in the city, and they came back. And where'd they find that maniac? Seated at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Why? Because he had a holy constant now. The truth of God's word had changed his life. And though he probably still had scabs and, and patched up blood spots and things where his body was beat up and frail, he sat there clothed, listening to Jesus' teaching. So much so when Jesus got in the boat to leave, remember what happened? He's like, can, can I go? And he's like, well, no, you're no good to me on the boat. Go home and tell, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, go home and tell everybody what happened. He became one of the first evangelists. Demonic, ate up with demons and becomes an evangelist all because of a holy constant, the truth of God's word in our life. Hey, what does repentance look like? A desire for truth. Desire for truth. But it also, look, guys, there's, there's not enough religion in the world to save us. Can we get that? I was talking to a, a friend of mine, and I won't say his name because I think he watches here, uh, but, but a, a friend of mine, he said, Patrick, I know you're very religious. Can I ask you something? And we had this great conversation. But then I got to go back because I did not want... Uh, I didn't want religious under my uh, repertoire, right? I didn't want that because I had to go back and clarify. I said, now, listen, you got me all wrong, uh, bro. I'm not religious. Actually, I don't even like religion. I don't like the checklist that even we have to do to to bring ourselves to a point of holiness. I, I hate that. Religion didn't save me. But Jesus saved me, right? A relationship saved me. And so, guys, listen, there's not enough religion in the world to save you. If you came in today and you slipped in, you say, maybe that's what I need, just a little more church. Maybe I, I just need to come for a little more times and, and get a little more better at understanding God's word. And, and maybe then I'll feel better. Uh-uh. No, ain't a religion in the world that can save you. It's a person, the person of Jesus Christ. You must receive what he's done. I need Jesus to step in. One of the the biggest problems we face in our culture is that we are not aware of how dangerous we are. We are some dangerous individuals. Do you understand that when God created the human race, he gave us dominion and power to get, to take, to have, to build, to prosper, to get poor, all that, all that we get to do. He gave us that. He put the world in our hands. We're dangerous. And the moment we realize that, and the moment we that, that there becomes a fear to us, like, well, I'm dangerous. I got to be careful. We'll have a repentant spirit. And we'll want to go to God and say, God, I, Lord, I, prone, to, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I don't want to do that, Lord. I want to have a desire for truth. Is that you today? You say, Patrick, I, I don't feel that. Maybe you need to be safe. We can help you right after service with that. We'll love to sit down and talk with you and help you know how to be safe. But if you're saving her today, you feel it, don't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That desire, yes, I, I need to be in God's word more. I need to quit li- listening to the devil's lies and, and, and listen to the Holy Spirit because there's a holy constant when you're, when you're repentant. But there's also hopeful cleaning when you repent. I've already kind of jumped ahead on that one. You, you, your life is daily. First uh, John says that if we confess our sins, that he may, in fact, get around to us to forgive us every now and then. No? If you got that verse, you're probably reading a newer version that was mistranslated. Uh, because it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means every day when I live repentant, I can go back for, to Jesus and I can say, God, I'm sorry for that lust. I'm, I'm sorry for that lie. I'm sorry that I even felt that way or said that or, or did this. God, will you please forgive me? And it's not a maybe or I'll get back to you or make an appointment at the front desk. It's yes, you're forgiven. Man, that is so awesome to me, guys. I, I, that scares me to sin. 
I, I don't want to sin because I, because I just know how easy Jesus forgives me. I don't want to, God forbid that we just want to sin all the time, as Paul said, because he's so easy to, to forgive us. We don't want to abuse that. God, for, for, God forgive. But also there's a humbled crushing. Verse 7 and 8 says, purify me with hyssop. The, the priest of old would take this plant called a hyssop plant. It had all kind of weird uh, Thiedville-looking branches on it and, uh, and, and Dr. Seuss-looking stuff, and they would dip it, and they would, like, whip water and blood on, like, sacrifices. So it's a picture of that priest dipping and purifying in the temple. Isn't that beautiful? And it says, a hopeful cleaning uh, um, purify me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. You say, Pastor, you don't understand the, the, what I go through at night. You don't understand the quietness. Of my heart. I have to cut on the radio. I have to tune out those thoughts. I have to, I have to hide from myself. Oh, if that's you today, would you please Get before God and repent. Would you please truly lay before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Whatever, whatever that is causing that, whatever fear and anxiety, will you please help me with this? And I promise you, he'll give you that hopeful cleaning. He'll, he'll, he'll wash through that and make you white as snow. It, it, I know it sounds poetic. It sounds elementary, but it's the truth of God's word. Amen. Doesn't negate maybe you seeing your therapist or taking medication. God's given us all that. Those are great things. You do that. If you need that, I'm an advocate of that, okay? But, but alongside with that, Jesus helps you. And Jesus brings you into a new and right relationship. But then also that humbled crushing. Look what he says in verse 8. I, this verse right here is cool. It says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the, let the bones you have crushed, rejoice. You see that? Like, that, like wait, wait a minute. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, David. You must have misread. Like, God crushed our bones, and we're supposed to be happy for that. This is why repentance is so good. This is what repentance looks like, because it's, it's reminding that we are entirely inadequate before the Lord our God. Now, don't get me wrong. He's put giftedness in you and, and, and talent in you to work out for him. We're going to get to that. But, but when we lay before our Savior every day and every morning, it's just, a, it's just a, remind, a humble crushing to say, God, without you, where would I be? Oh, God, without, without you, I would be lost and undone. And why would you save me? I, don't, I can't get over that. Please just cleanse my thought, cleanse my heart. Today, before I even get out the, the bedroom, Lord, help me. Before I get on that job site, before I clock in at work, God, I need you washing over my mind. I need you washing over my heart. It's a humble crushing to remind ourselves we need him every day. See, Lewis said that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. Huh? It's just, it's just putting others and the Lord before yourself. Uh, this is what we teach our children. Cheerful children should do what? They should obey and they should repent. But that's healthy for them. Ask any child psychologist. They, they, they want you to teach your children to own up and to say they're sorry for their mistakes and their mess-ups and their blunders and their rebellion and on and on and on. They want to say it. Why? Because it's freeing. Who in here, you ever did something? We were talking about it last night at dinner. You did something, and you did it behind your parents' back, and you thought they'll never find out. Until you found out, they found out. Huh? And then you're like, oh my goodness, oh man, I can't, I don't want to go home. I want to spend the night at Nick's house. I want, I want to go. Hey, mom, tonight I'm gonna go over to Brandon's. Like, no, you ain't. <laughs> you need to come talk to daddy. Uh, oh yeah? yeah, what's he, what's he doing? What's he want? You know what he wants. Get your home. I can't say it in church. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just, I just twitched a little bit because I remember those conversations. But guess what? What happened? Huh? After you got reprimanded, after you fessed up or owned up, whatever happened, guess what? It was okay to come home. After that, you didn't feel guilty. You didn't feel pressure. Once you owned up, you were like, oh, it's a release because there's safety and repentance. There's safety in saying, I'm sorry. And, and just like children should be taught to obey, they should be taught to own up and fess up. And to say, hey, I, I messed up. It was me. I'm owning that. I'm not entitled. I don't get to just mess up and throw my weight around. No, I'm owning it. And parents, we should lead our children to do that. Like, like it's okay to say you're sorry. It's okay to be wrong. And it takes so much pressure off our kids. It takes so much pressure. A lot of times we're putting pressure on our kids that our parents put on us and we couldn't even hold. Why are we doing that? Let's stop. 
And let's give them freedom in the house of God and in our house at home, which actually becomes the house of God when we walk into it, huh? And, and, and so let's give them freedom to mess up and to be okay with saying, I'm sorry. Don't give them an out. Don't enable them to do it. But, but when they mess up, be there for them, to reprimand them, spank them, whatever age they are, spank them, ground them. You know, you got to decide on that, all right? Um, yes, yeah, some 15-year-olds need spankings. I agree. But you need to decide on the face. But, but why? Because as children of the Most High, and I'm almost done, but as children of the Most High, when we go to God and we say, God, I'm, I'm blown it. I'm sorry. Guess what? We don't live that whole day feeling guilty like he's about to kill us. We're good. We're like, yes, I, I'm forgiven. I'm great now. I'm good now. We're good to go. And it's a release. It's a freeing. And, uh, and, and that's a humble crushing. And then lastly, in, in, in verse 10, we see heart creating, heart creating. I remember um, uh, uh, before I read this verse, I remember at Chick-fil-A, I worked there. CJ's not here to represent. Anybody else worked at Chick-fil-A ever? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, Taylor, I forgot you worked there. That's right. Tell CJ I was bragging on him because he hung out with the chicken. Um, uh, well, with the cow, actually. We ate the chicken. Um, but anyhow, uh, so I was at Chick-fil-A, and this, was, this had nothing to do with Chick-fil-A. I love my job there. I worked there. I loved it all through high school and then a little bit after high school. But I was, uh, I was a team leader, uh, but, 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 but that wasn't saying much. It's just because whatever, lack thereof. But anyway, I was a team leader, so I had a few guys under me. And we worked that day. I can't remember what it was. It was a long day. I just remember I was there all day. Some days I would come in and open and then take about a two-hour lunch break. And then I'd stay in clothes just because I needed money and my boss would let me work. And so uh, we worked that day, and it was, there was stuff going on in my life, there was some family stuff. It had nothing to do with Chick-fil-A, but just that, that end of that night, I was done. You know, Taylor, you ever closed at night, and it's like there, there's like 500 things to do when you close, and you're like, I don't want to do any of them, so let's just kind of get it done so we can get out of here. And guys are joking and throwing flour, and I'm like, guys, come on, we got to go. And, man, I'm just at the wit's end of my night. And it's, I mean, it's pushing like 11 o'clock now, and you're supposed to be done by 11. And so... I go back there, and the guy that's trying to fill the sugar bin, I don't know what they do now for sugar, but back then, you had to literally pour a bag in the sugar bin, and it was like a little rolly cart. He goes to cut the bag, and it like he cuts it, and here's the bin, and the sugar just pours out on the floor. We just mopped and scrubbed the whole 50-pound uh, bag of sugar on the floor. And I cut the corner, and I'm a Christian now. Like, I'm a Christian, called to preach, ashamed to even tell you this from the pulpit, but, 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 Everybody there knows I'm a preacher, knows I'm a Christian, knows I go to church and have invited almost all of them to come with me. And I cut the corner and I see that sugar on the floor. And all the redneck from my mama's side of the family comes out of me. Huh? And, and you know, that mama redneck is deep, bro. It's, it's deep, I'm telling you. And, and it come out of me. And I say, are you kidding me? How many here in your nose I didn't say kidding Okay. All right. Good. Good. All right. So that's all I'm saying because we're online uh, and y'all can use this against me in the court of law. But, uh, but I use a bad word and I'm just like, and it come out my mouth. I, I, I was used to, I mean, I worked with teenagers and I was a teenager myself. So I was used to thinking a lot of bad words, but I was pretty good at keeping them, Holly, I was pretty good at keeping my mouth shut. But that day I, I let it out that night. And, you know, I was so embarrassed. I mean, I drove home, Thomas, I felt like a sorry Christian. I was like, I just ruined my testimony. I might as well serve the devil. Like, I was just done. And I come back over the next few days. I went to every person that was with me that night on my shift, and I said, guys, I'm sorry I blew it. I'm sorry. And will you forgive me? And that's what my pastor advised me to do. So I was like, I'll do it. I did it, man. And there was so much opportunity in that. I remember every one of those guys, they said, Patrick, that's fine, dude. It was a hard night, man. Don't worry about it, bro. You're not perfect. And here's these people that don't serve God, don't go to church, like don't even know about Jesus, and they're giving me the freedom to be okay with messing up. And I thought, wow, what if the church would do that? You know, what if the church would give grace when we mess up? Now, I'm not giving license to mess up. Don't get me wrong. I'll go cussing at John and say, Patrick said I can do this and say I'm sorry. No, 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 no. But, but. But, but when we do that, what freedom it is to say, I've I blown it. I, I blew it, man. Please forgive me. And, man, it, it was so cool to see that. And uh, the coolest part of the story, one of those guys, his name was Robert, 
um, he went, ended up going to Bible college with me, surrendering to preach. And so anyway, it's just a great, great story. But, but, but God, he, we need repentance. It's okay to say, I blew it. Heart creating, verse 10, and uh, I got to finish up this last one. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Say, Patrick, how do I repent? There you go. David wrote it for you. Just repeat that to him. Hey, God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Man, I love that. Second Corinthians says, says that for, for, for if any man be in Christ... Old things have passed away. He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Isn't that good? Like, I, I don't have to live in my old life. He creates in us and, 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 and establishes a heart in us that's soft and pumps for him and lives for him. And I know it's a spiritual thing. We still have our same uh, organ there, but it's a spiritual picture of how God totally changes us. How many here we've already written on someone's tombstone? Ah, they can't get saved. Nah, they're too bad off. They're too far gone. I've prayed for my grandpa or my uncle this long. I don't, nah, I don't think so. Man, guys, can I tell you this? God is in the heart surgeon uh, business, amen? He is the best heart surgeon there is. He can take out them old, hard, dead, callous hearts and put in a new one. He don't need organ donors. He creates it all the way from scratch. Amen? That's our God. And that's what he's doing in us every day when we lay before him and we say, God, I need you. God, I need you. Clean me today. Cleanse me today. Walk with me today. Keep me from sin today, God. There's not a day goes by. I try not to do that a couple times a day. I, there, there's been times I've gotten away with that. But that I try and daily say, God, I, I need you. Can we all agree as the church we need to be praying that prayer? God, we need you. Just as David prayed. Yeah, David was repenting of a certain uh, legit sin, but you have sin. You have perceived thoughts and heart issues and things. Every sin needs forgiving. And as a Christian, we should daily uh, walk uh, carefully before our Lord. And how should repentance impact us? Because I got a course over here bringing in the last point. But how, let's look at number three, how should repentance impact you and me? Just real quickly, verse 11, we should have a desire for his spirit. Desire for his spirit. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, if you do a study of the Holy Spirit, back then the Holy Spirit would come upon men to do a certain work and then they would leave. It was kind of like a blessing of, but you know, in Christ, what did he do? He imparted his spirit to us. So his spirit doesn't come and go and leave. But yet in, in the Bible, we learn that we can quench and vex and stifle his spirit by lying to ourselves and living in sin and hiding things from God. We, we stifle his spirit. And so his spirit is not living out its giftedness in our life. I, I know the Holy Spirit is very uh, spiritual and we, we can't put our stamp of God, man's approval on him. He'll do what he wants to do. But at the same time, he works in practical ways through you and me. And so when we sin and we hide sin and we live in a, a prideful or a jealous or envious way, we, we stifle that spirit's working in our life. And so we should have a desire to not stifle that. Hey, repentance should impact us to want more of God's spirit. Uh, and then number two, we, we should have delight in our salvation. Verse 12, man, I don't know about you, but in 20 years of ministry, I've met more grumpy Christians than I have happy ones. You say, Patrick, what's the matter? Well, the truth of the matter is a lot of them probably wasn't really Christians. And that's what's unfortunate because if they really knew Jesus, if they really started walking with him, come on, y'all been with me. Come on, go to church. How many times y'all been walking with Jesus and then you miss a week or so? Huh? You know what I mean? That week was busy or crazy or you just wasn't really in tune and you were maybe overtime at work and you didn't get the word like you wanted or you didn't make it to connect group like you should have and you feel less than, right? What is that? That, that is God's spirit in us drawing us to the things of God, okay? And so we should be desired uh, to, to, of his spirit, but we should also delight in our salvation. Every day we should have a delighting to say, God, I'm back. I'm revisiting this every day. Lord, I'm going to listen to my Bible app every day. God, I'm going I'm I'm to sing a worship song every day. However you worship God in your life, I want to do it every day because this is the day the Lord has made. And we should rejoice and be glad in it, right? And so, 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 so I want to do that. I want to have a delight in my salvation. Verse 12, 
Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Verse 13, we see lastly that if, if we're really repentive and we repent on, on, it may not need to be every day, but if you're me, I have to do it every day. But if we repent daily, if we have a repentive spirit as a Christian, we will have a determination to serve. Verse 13, he says, Then will I teach the rebellious your ways, and sinners will return to you. Think about that, guys. Man, I, I, I want to serve now, God, because I, I've cleaned from sin. I'm, I don't have sin in my life, but I've been there, and I feel that. And so I want to teach those with sin. I want to teach those that don't know God. I want to show them the ways of God. I want them to know what I know and to have the joy that I have because of what God has done for me and how he's forgiven me. Isn't that good? And that kind of leads us to close with this story. Y'all remember when Jesus was invited to uh, eat with the uh, Pharisees. Uh, it, a certain Pharisee invited him in his house, and, and he's sitting there, and this woman slips in the back door, and, and she's like weeping, right? I mean, she's weeping, and, and she brings this alabaster box, and, and she breaks it. It has this very costly ointment. You can read the, the, the full story. Um, and and, and, and I, uh, where did I write? Where's it at? I got to... It's... Uh, I'll tell you where it's at. I don't even remember. I didn't write it down. But uh, anyway, in the Gospels. And, and so he's sitting with his Pharisee. Luke 7. Excuse me. Thank you. Luke 7. And, and she breaks this box open and she pours it on Jesus' head. And, and, and she, her tears are on his feet and she's wiping his feet. And that Pharisee, he sits back and he's like, man, if, if, this, if this girl knew who, I mean, if Jesus knew, if he was really the Messiah, he would know where this woman's been and what she's done. And Jesus being, you know, Jesus, <laughs> I love him. Um, he, he, he just says, well, he slows that Pharisee down. He says, I came into my house. I came into your house. You had not washed my feet. You haven't shown me any respect. I'm paraphrasing again. Check it out, Luke 7. And, and I, I, I'm, I, 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 you haven't shown me anything. This woman, since I've gotten here, has yet to stop wiping my feet with her hair and her tears. And let me tell you a story. And then, then he breaks into a parable. He says, there's two debtors. He says, one owed this guy 500 denarii. This other guy owed the other person uh, 50 denarii. And who, who, and he, the, the, the guy forgave the whole debt. He forgave the 500 and he forgave the 50. Who do you think was more happy to be forgiven? And the Pharisee so obviously spoke up and said, well, of course, those who, that, the guy who owed more, right? The guy who had a bigger debt. He's like, exactly. And Jesus teaches how those who really understand how, how much they're forgiven will be grateful and they'll be wanting to serve. You see, you see them around here. Those people you can't get out of KK, like, will you please stop working in KK and come to church? Yeah, but, but Sarah needs me and I need to serve, I need to work. Yeah, that person that's always, and Chris don't have to call them twice. They're like, hey, Chris, whatever you need, I'm here. Pastor Michael, I'll be here no matter, you call me, I'll do whatever I can do to be here. Why are there people like that? Because they realize how much they've been forgiven. They realize what Jesus really did for them and all he gave for them. And they want to serve him. Amen. And if you live with a repentive heart, uh, you'll want to serve Jesus. You'll want to serve your church. You'll want to serve your family. Man, you'll, 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 be, you'll be slow to anger and, 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 and slow to wrath. And, and you'll be wise in your speech because you know that, man, God could have just done that and I'd have been in hell. I'd have no hope. But he saved me and he changed me. And so as we prepare to pray, the band's going to make their way up. I want you to, I want you to kind of pray this way. And, and if the Lord's leading you another way, please listen to him, all right? But, but I just feel this is what the Lord wants me to say. So as they, as they get in position, as we prepare to pray, I know I've preached mostly to the Christians today. Uh, but as Christians, guys, we should live a pious life, a life where we're, we, we lay low before the Lord. And I like the story. I believe it was Charles Spurgeon uh, they were crossing a busy street, and there's horses and buggies and, and just flat traffic and all. And, and, and one of these young evangelists were with, with Charles Spurgeon. They were walking, and, and they turned around. They realized he had stopped in the middle of the road. And he had his head bent down just quickly. And, and then he lifted it up and, and kept on walking. And, and they were like, hey, hey Mr. Spurgeon, what, what did you do? Why did you stop in the middle of that busy road? And he said, young man, I was more safer 
in the middle of a busy road asking God to forgive me of that sin I had just come across my mind than I was on the other side of the street, right? And that's the, I, I, I'm sure, I don't know if that story is true, but it's a good picture of how humble we need to be as Christ follows. Like, it's that important to stay close with Jesus because our sin is dangerous. Our sin is deadly. It can hurt us. It can hurt others. And so I, if you're not used to this, I believe a lot of us are, but, but if you're not, I would like to, to challenge you today. Lord, I want to be more repentive. And so as we kind of just stand where you're at, heads bowed, uh, eyes closed, or if you worship with your eyes open, lifted your head, that's fine. Jesus will, will hear you no matter what. But just in the quietness of your heart as we make our, uh, make our way to our feet, as we start pray, playing uh, and, and we start praying, may you just ask the Lord, Lord, will you help me be more repentant? Jesus, you have forgiven me, you've forgiven me so much. You forgive me of so much. Without you, Jesus, I, where would I be? Where would I be? And uh, I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I just like to think about that. I, I just like to say, Lord, where would I be if I wasn't surrendered to preach? Where, if you wouldn't have saved me as an almost 15-year-old punk and changed me and drug me to that little Bible church and started teaching me the Word and, 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 and got me away from the friends I was with and out of the drug-infested home I lived in and Lord, if you wouldn't have got me out of that, where would I be? And I, I just like to, to think back on that because Jesus has done so much for me. Just in the quietness of your heart, could, if you're in here today and you say, Patrick, Jesus has done so much for me. If that's you today, will you just lift your hand to him? I, I'm not even looking. I, I don't mind. I don't care who lifts their hand, but I hope if, if that's you today, and Jesus has done so much for you. Would you just lift a hand of praise? Jesus has done so much for me, more than I could possibly ever fathom. Thank the Lord. Praise God. If you're a Christian here today, he's done a lot for you. Most of it we'll never know this side of eternity. But, God, but, but guys, can you pray with me to God? Say, God, thank you for doing that. Thank you for saving me. Lord, the Bible says that whom much is given, much will be required. And so, Lord Jesus, to him who is forgiven much, we want to give back much. Help us to be that church. Help Connection Church to be a church that wants to give it all for Christ, that wants to give it all for Jesus. Lord, there's nothing we want to hold back from you, God. God, there's, there's no idol, there's no valuable resource, there's nothing in our life that will amount to anything in comparison to you, Lord. Lord, our hearts long for you. God, our spirit yearns for you, God. We want more of your word. We want to draw closer to each other. Lord, we want to draw closer to you, God. I, want to, I need help, God, loving my wife. I need help leading my children. God, I need help in this sin-sick world, God, with all the pressures and the, 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 the things that Satan has set up, the strongholds to tear down the, 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 the homes of our uh, fathers and our nuclear families and, and our singles and, and, and re-identify find sexuality in our moral code, God. Oh, Lord, we need you in 2022. And that's my prayer. That's my heart's yearning is that we as a church, God, will, will lean back into you with a spirit of repentance. Every day, not, not, not walk on the edge, but stay away from even the guardrail, knowing that, God, we need you every day. Oh, Jesus, thank you for making a way. Thank you for making a way. And if you're in here today and you say, Patrick, I've, I've never actually asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin. I, I've never done that. If that's you in here today, you can do it right there where you are. Like I mentioned earlier, we're not religious. <laughs> there ain't no obstacles or hoops you got to jump through. Right in your seat, right there, you can ask Jesus to save you for the very first time if you've never done that. He hears your heart. He hears your prayer. You don't even have to say it out loud. He can hear your heart saying it to him. And you can simply say a prayer that says, Dear Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. I, I realize I need you, God. 
I'm broken and undone without you, God. Will you save me? Will you come into my life, be my Lord, be my Savior? Oh, if you prayed that right now in the earnestness of your heart, in the honesty of your heart, if you prayed that, can I just give you assurance that guess what? Jesus saved you. He saved you. You say, Patrick, thank you for helping me with that prayer. That was me. Will you just remember in your prayers, lift your hand. I'd love to pray for you right now. If that was you, amen. If anybody here prayed that prayer just now, dear Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. Will you forgive me of my sin? Will you forgive me and take me to heaven one day? He won't take you right now. You got a work to do. But if you pray, hey, that's, that is what I need. That's you. Just ask him, forgive me of my sins. He'll do it. The Bible says that the, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He gives it freely. But the costly gift of God is the first part of that verse. For the wages of sin is death. And Jesus took that death. Jesus died for you. Will you receive that today? Right there in your seat, just ask Christ to save you. If that was you today, we'd love to talk to you after service. We'd love you to stop by the next step table and let us know your name to pray for you. Let's all pray together, church. Father, thank you so much, Lord. And I know I'm out of time, but I'm so grateful for the church, for your spirit here. And as the band closes us out, God, may your church be a church that is repentant. We would, we would lean into you daily because we're inadequate, God. <laughs> But there's a spirit inside of us that inoculates our thoughts, activates our hearts, helps us follow you every day. We don't have to do it alone. <laughs> we don't have to do it alone. And I'm so thankful, Jesus, because I couldn't do it without you. And so I ask you now to help us as a church, and we thank you in Jesus' name.